Our theme this morning is God is faithful. And so let's come around together the Word of God. And we have two readings this morning. The first reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through to 9. So follow me as we read together. And Matthew will do the second one. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sothenes to the church of God in Corinthians. There we go. To those sanctified in Christ, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift, as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the second reading comes from Mark 13, 24 to 37. At that time, after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day nor the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself only the Father knows. And since you do not know when that time will come, be on guard and stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do, and he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must watch, keep watch, for you do not know when the master of the household will return, in the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him. This is a word. It's amazing how we can take things for granted how we can easily say words and we actually 
weren't thinking about them at the time. The number of times I've prayed the Lord's Prayer and I've got to forgive us our sins. What happened to the first part? So this morning you heard the first reading from Paul to the people at Corinth. And if I asked you now, what did he say? You'd be like me if I was sitting there. I'd say, oh, I'm not too sure. What he said, what did he say? Well, this morning, we're going to be looking at the fact that God is a faithful God. And this text just came to mind in Corinthians. We heard a bit of it. Uh, He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful promise, a certainty from God's word that says this is the way it is. He will do that. He'll keep his part. He definitely will not let us down. So, when you heard the text, did you hear this? To the church of God in Good Shepherd, Paravista. Or if you're watching online or you're a guest here this morning, put in your own, uh, the name of your own congregation. Did you hear that? The word of God is not just an ancient word that spoke to an ancient people and now we look at it and say, isn't it a pretty little text? Didn't they say some nice things back in the day? But doesn't mean a great deal to us now. But the word of God is alive and it's active and it speaks into the hearts and minds and lives of every person who hears it or reads it or prays it, or thinks about it, or meditates upon it. And that word is given directly to you, directly to me, as individuals, as a congregation, as a wider church, as Christians of the one church throughout the world. This morning, God is speaking to you, not me. I get in the way. I don't know how many times I I realise after a sermon I got in the way of God's word and I regret that but I'm me and that's you have to live with that. You've got to try and get beyond this slim, swelt body. (laughs) So this morning through the Apostle Paul God is saying to the church of God here at Paravista, What is he saying? To those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. That's you. Together with all those everywhere throughout the world who call call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. There are people throughout the world we are not even sure of who are Christians who are. Who are God's chosen people. You are a part of that one holy Christian church on earth and you are one family here. So he says to you, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I imagine that every pastor you've had here in the past, every leader you've got here in the present can pray this prayer and you can pray it. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. You have God's grace in you. And I and people and each each of you thank 
God for you. For in him, in Christ, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech, with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. We preach Christ, you believed, you have been gifted, and therefore that's the witness that my testimony is true. He goes on. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift. I've read that many times and it always amazes me. I do not I do not lack any spiritual gift. You do not lack any spiritual gift. Neither does your congregation. As you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed, he will also keep you firm to the end. That was the text right at the start, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, if I was game enough, I'd sit down, say amen, and just... That's it, because that's the word of God. What part of that don't you understand? It just seems it's plain English. It's straightforward. It's no longer a matter of, what does that mean? It's rather of, do I believe it? Do I believe that? Do I believe it, that I lack no spiritual gift? Do I believe that he will keep me firm to the end so that I'll be blameless? Me? blameless or maybe you blameless but not me blameless that's for sure but he does he said yes void even you chief of sinners you will be blameless and God is faithful well we know he's faithful here we are in advent and we know what's coming we know we know the story and somehow or other It's so easy at this time of Advent to go, it's that time of the year again, it's the silly season. And I go shopping and I'm driven crazy by all these stupid songs of Christmas time and you better be good and you better, it just drives you nuts because I hate that song with a passion (laughs) Because, because that puts Santa Claus in the place of God. Oh, Santa Claus knows whether you've been good or bad. Santa Claus knows everything about you. No. And so that gets me cranky and then I, oh, yes, Lord, but I worship you this Advent. I'm really loved. No, I'm not. And so, so often we just get caught up in all the wrong stuff and it's hard not to. And it takes hard work and sometimes a lot of discipline to actually focus on what's real and what's important. And so we know the story and we know the words, don't be afraid. You've got a saviour that has been born as a human being because God loves you and God has sent his son in your place. But then we also know more about the end of the story where Jesus says in Revelation, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. And the number of times that I've taken funerals and as the body, there I did it. 
as the body go, as it goes down into the grave and we cry and we look at that and I, every time I'm challenged, Jesus holds the keys to that grave. Jesus holds the keys to that death. And I stake my life and my death and my future on that knowledge. Jesus Christ holds the keys of death and life. So I came across this text the other day and it got me all excited. From Mark Twain, the quote, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you found out why you were born. And I thought, that's not bad. That's not bad, is it? But it's not the whole thing. I mean, I could say it's more than two days. Uh, there's the day you are baptised, the day you're confirmed, the day you're married, the day, and, and you could just go on and talk about a lot of days that are really, really important. But that got me thinking. Because he's talking about not only the day you were born, but the day you found out the purpose of your birth. The day you found out why you exist and why you are the way you are and why things are the way they are. And I have to say, I believe that in actual fact, every day is the second important day to find out why you were born. That is, every day you rediscover your purpose. You don't do it once. I was nine years old when I announced to my parents, I want to be a pastor. Now, I nearly buried both of them that day, but (laughs) I was a little boy. And honestly... I had an uncle who was there at the time. He actually, we nearly did put him in hospital. He laughed so loud. But I had to rediscover that over and over and again. When I got to the seminary and the first year, six six subjects were languages. Greek, Hebrew, Latin, German. Uh, Three types of Greek actually altogether. And I wasn't a great language student, so over and over again during seminary, I wondered, what on earth am I doing? Why am I here? And then after hanging on, because it was a seven-year course at the time, when I came to the fifth year and went on full-year vicarage, and I actually got out and I started pastoring with people, I discovered my purpose. I was never going to be a scholar. I was never going to sprout Greek and Hebrew and Latin all over the place, but I love being with people. I love serving people. I, I loved helping people. And over and over, I had to rediscover this. And throughout my ministry, I had to discover the same thing. I had to discover, because often I'd come home at night after a, a meeting where we had a fight, an AGM where we had a fight, the number of times where I was the the chief cook and bottle washer for the whole congregation, there was no secretaries in those days, I did the bulletin, I printed the bulletin, I did everything because there was no one else and I often wondered what on earth have I bothered being a pastor for? Anyone can do this. 
but in small congregations, and I'm talking back 1972 and, and when I started, and I remember there were times when I went to the hospital, I visited someone who was dying, I gave them Holy Communion, and on the way home, while I was driving home, I started to cry and I couldn't work out why. And then I discovered my purpose. It wasn't that I had to be a big shot up the front parson who did all the preaching and talking and everybody said, well, not bad, man, but the simple things. I gave someone communion. I reassured them that Jesus does have the keys to death and the grave. And that was my purpose. And that happened over and over and over again. So it's amazing and thank you very much. But this is the fact that human nature is not content with that. We always want more. Lord, give me more. I don't have enough. I'm not gifted enough. I don't have enough talents. I'm, I'm not good enough at this or that or something else. Lord, just a little more faith, just a little more this, a little more that. And God says, <laughs> what more do you want? What more do you want? He says, you're called my children. We always think of growth as being more rather than growth being deeper. We always think of a congregation's growth must only mean bums on seats. But that's not what it means. It means people growing deeper in faith, in love, in service, in a desire to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that comes out of the fact that how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. How incredible is that? How amazing is that? What more can you want than that? So, whoops. That's a picture of a church in Queensland after a cyclone. And I thought of that because I think of all the fights that congregations have over buildings. Now, if the Lord spoke through that cyclone, this means the little black thing back there is an organ, so it means that God only likes pews and organs. Because <laughs> they're the only things left. And how we always want more. Well, we can do better with the church and have this and we can have that and we can have something else. And we fight over a whole range of things related to a building. We want more. When in actual fact, as the children of God, we've got everything. More and more people are worshipping in barns and sheds and, and offices and schools because buildings can be a pain and a millstone around our necks at times. They cost a lot of money. We all have different ideas of the way it should look and what it should be doing. And I still remember an old congregation where they, they refused to allow a knitting group to hire our hall because they 
weren't quite up to snuff. There were a few naughty people in there. Unbelievable. So, just to recap quickly. In him you have been enriched in every way. Do you believe that? As a congregation? As individuals? To think, I'm not good enough, I can't do this, I don't know enough, my faith is pathetic. Well, join the club. In him you have been enriched in every way. You do not lack any spiritual gift. God will keep you firm to the end. And he's called you into the fellowship of his son. Oh, man. So Good Shepherd is blessed. I think we can say that. I started something up at Newry uh, when I was the pastor up there that I started talking because people were having a few troubles there in a, as a congregation. And, and I started talking about what a wonderful place the congregation is. So I started that thing of, I love St. Petri. And I think you need to be able to say, I love Good Shepherd. I love the Good Shepherd. And I love Good Shepherd. And so our point, we do everything without complaining or arguing. Yeah, right, Lord, we'll take forgiveness every chance we get. So that we may be, you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and, and depraved generation. Now look at this. In which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Wow. And we can do that because we are the children of God. So would you pray with me? I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Amen. And God's peace be.